The Adam Crowley Show. Love you, 970 ESPN. It's it's Adam a, Crowley, I think it is. He's a good guy. He really is. He's a good host. I enjoy being, you know, and now we're talking about a weekly spot on the show. And I'm just telling Adam, I better be picked. Freebies are up. Adam Crowley on ESPN Pittsburgh. I got Penguins in six if Malkin misses one game. If Malkin misses two games, I got Penguins in seven. If Malkin misses any more than that, I got Capitals. How's that for hedging your bets? Two years ago, the Penguins were down 3-2 to two to the Tampa Bay Lightning in the Eastern Conference Final. I was driving into work, had to finish that night's Penguins report. Pain in the ass that was. One thought stuck out in my mind. After everything the Penguins had endured since 2010, it looked like it was going to end the way that it always seemed to end for these Pittsburgh Penguins. With disappointment. Sidney Crosby's Penguins were destined to become the 1990s Atlanta Braves. Sure, they had won a title, but this team was built to win multiple championships. First, let's rewind a little bit before we hit the fast-forward button. I, like most of y'all out there, Western Pennsylvania boys, grew up watching Mario Lemieux and Yarmir Yager soar on the ice. I'd run up my parents' third-floor bedroom and describe Mario's latest trick and imitate Mike Lang's goal calls, probably enough to annoy them. On Christmas in 2003, I remember getting a Marc-Andre Fleury coho sweater. It's still in my closet. smells like cat pee. I ran from one side of the igloo to the other side to watch Ryan Malone score an overtime winner in his rookie season. I loved the game, and for a while, hey, it loved me back. Until it didn't. The X generation almost killed hockey in this town. Some jabroni who sold blackberries was going to move the team to Kansas City. I, still very much a young man, was crushed. The 4 lockout was a killer for a kid who didn't care much about school but loved coming home to watch hockey during the long, cold Pittsburgh winters. Those were very real, dark, and uncertain times for hockey fans in this city. Would the team move? If they stayed, could they ever get back to prominence again? Then along came Crosby, and it all changed. Finally, there was hope. The team was going to stay, and maybe he could be the next Penguins captain to hoist the Stanley Cup. The team did stay. He did hoist the cup. But then, in an instant, like in Flowers for Algernon, it was gone. Yaroslav Halak, David Steckel, Marc-Andre Fleury, Claude Giroux, Jerome McGinley, Martin St. Louis, Brian Gibbons, Dan Bilesma, Henrik Lundqvist, all had their hand in the Penguins' post-cup failures. It's probably not fair to include Brian Gibbons. Let's hit fast-forward again, though. To May 22nd, 2016. I was driving into the station to do my Penguins report. Pain in the ass that it was. I fully expected the Penguins to be eliminated by Tampa and fall back into the dark ages. Sidney Crosby's run was going to be looked at like the 1990s Braves. But thanks to a fortuitous offsides call and some clutch play, the Penguins won Game 6 of the 2016 Eastern Conference Final, and the rest, as they say, is history. The Pens have been defending Stanley Cup champs for the last 695 days. I'll have been married for three years come August. I was a single dude the last time the Penguins lost a playoff series. I'm like every other hockey fan in Western PA. I live and die with these Pittsburgh Penguins. And for a while it was bumpy, but it was worth it. For the past 695 days, that team that was going to move to Kansas City has been the defending champ. 
This franchise has given us hockey fans more than we could have ever hoped for during the X generation. So if you're upset today, I get it. If you're angry, I suppose that's fine too. We all support our team different. But for me, it's been 695 days of happiness, baby. So I'll be smiling like a butcher's dog. You found the Crowley Show where your mom listens, and you should too. 412-922-2874 is the number to call, or you can join the cast of dozens and follow me on Twitter at underscore Adam Crowley. WPXI just tweeted this out. A chemical found in fast food wrappers may be hurting your waistline. Spoiler alert, it's the food in the wrappers that's hurting your waistline. Up until last night, the Penguins hadn't lost a playoff series in 1,109 days. I wasn't married. I didn't have a dog. The Pirates were still good. Barack Obama was president. So much has changed. When you go to a wake, the pervading topic of conversation isn't about how the deceased got into the casket. Oh, did Tom drive his car off a cliff? There's usually not much talk of how the dude's head came off. The conversation usually circles around the life that the person led. It's never, man, he didn't see that semi coming. It's more along the lines of, Jimbo was a great guy and a tremendous skier. We've got plenty of time to analyze the demise of these penguins. In fact, we've got until September. What went wrong, why it went wrong, how they're going to fix it, but I'd rather think about the historic run that they went on. Uh, That sounds like more fun, and I don't fake things on the radio. I just don't. I'll tell you how I feel, because that's the way I feel. In fact, for me, to do anything other than put this into context is a disservice to the team. It's a disservice to the organization. It's a disservice to Jim Rutherford and Mike Sullivan and Sidney Crosby and Evgeny Malkin and all the people who had a part in making these 695 days as damn good as these 695 days have been. Man, think about everything that they've overcome. Think about everything that they did over those 695 days. They vanquished the New York Rangers, who stood in their way the previous two postseasons. Lundquist had stood on his head for two years as the Penguins fell to their division rivals. And one of my roommates in college was a Rangers fan. Oh, that was tough. But the Penguins chased Lundquist. Then they chased him again. Then he got hurt. And then they chased New York right out of the playoffs. Suck it, Alex Wiederspiel. They won the first game with Jeff freaking Zakoff in between the pipes. The team had stones, something that they hadn't shown between 2010 and 2016. Then they beat the President's Trophy winning Capitals in six games, two of which came in overtime, one of which came after the team blew a 3 to nothing lead. That's stones, baby. Balls, cojones, chutzpah. They came from behind to beat the Lightning. The captain had his signature playoff goal where he bent space and time. I still don't know how the hell that puck got in. It was a curveball. Brian Rust's elimination game magic was born in Game 7. PBG Paints Arena rocked that night like the igloo used to rock. Then Sherry scored in overtime to beat the Sharks. Latang scored in Game 6, and the Penguins were champs again. That Lemieux-sized monkey was yanked from the back of Sidney Crosby, And then last year was even more improbable. If the Penguins in 2016 were the best team in hockey, the Penguins in 2017 was the most mentally tough group that I've ever seen. And I think you can say that about a lot of championship teams. Oh, they had resolve. They had metal. They really battled through some stuff. They really did battle through some stuff. No Chris Letang. Crosby's head broke. No Hornquist in the Eastern Conference Final. 
Sherry was out for stretches of the regular season, and he was outstanding when he was healthy. And some dude named Gensel played over his head. They were thoroughly outplayed in games one and two, especially in the first period by Columbus, but Flowers stood tall. They always found a way, different ways, but they always found a way. They weren't better than Washington, yet they won that series. Ottawa had the legs that will, that drive to push it to seven games in the Eastern Conference Final, but Chris Kunitz, who hadn't scored in literally months, netted two in Game 7. He said, F that. How they won Games 1 and 2 against Nashville, I'll never know, but they did. Despite not registering a shot for 37 minutes in the second game. Then in Game 6, like Chris Letang the year before, Patrick Hornquist scored and the Pens were champs again. Mike Sullivan got a stick in the face. It was jubilation. The parades were fabulous. Justin Schultz walking by in his cargo shorts, drinking bra. You had Ole Mata getting fried, laying on that rooftop in Pittsburgh. I never imagined that these Penguins would surpass the greatness of what Mario Lemieux's teams did, but hey, they have. Hell, I remember how excited I was when this team went to Ottawa and got their ass kicked in the first playoff experience of the Crosby era. How far they've come, it's insane. Back then, they were back to being relevant again. They weren't moving to Kansas City. I remember running up and down the halls of my high school when they got Hosa. I watched the Pens win Game 4 in 2009 at a hotel lobby on prom night. The Penguins, more so than any other sports team, were my childhood. And as overtime approached last night, I thought, what's my reaction going to be if the Caps win it? I don't like them. I think T.J. Oshie's a prick. I think Tom Wilson's a piece of human excrement. Alex Ovechkin far too often leaves his feet. So I thought I'd throw my hat or kick my dog or something, maybe drink myself into oblivion. The strangest thing happened, though, when Kuznetsov walked in on the breakaway for what was it, the thousandth time this series? I smiled. I did. I was like Obi-Wan Kenobi accepting his fate in A New Hope. It was... May the 4th the other day, so just I just watched it. His time was over, much like the Penguins for this year. And I was calm. I let out a sigh, and I immediately thought of how damn great the last two years have been. Because they've been awesome. If you love hockey, you love that hockey team, and you saw them during the X generation, you never could have imagined that they'd do what they just did. Lemieux... Won the championship twice. His team didn't three-peat. Crosby's Penguins have won it more. You can be mad today. You can say that they missed an opportunity, and okay, maybe they did. An opportunity to lose to Tampa Bay in five games. Should they have beat Washington? Maybe. Do they have the better roster? Yeah, I think so. But I'm not going to be mad. I'm not going to be overly critical. I can't today. Because they gave little Crowley, that kid who was running up and down the stairs, that kid who opened the Marc-Andre Fleury Coho jersey, they gave him everything he possibly could have hoped over the last 695 days. A little later in the show, I'll get to the reasons why this year's team didn't have enough to get it done. But one thing stands above all else. Winning 10 playoff series in a row is just damn hard. The thing about the teams that they beat, 
the Rangers, the Capitals, the Lightning, the Sharks, Jackets, Caps again, Senators and Predators, they were all good, if not great hockey teams. The Flyers of this year were just okay. But to get through that gauntlet unscathed is as improbable as anything that this team could possibly accomplish. You need to be a great team that gets sprinkled with a little bit of fairy dust to navigate through that. And the Penguins did. And they ran into another good team at the end of this run. And you can't win them all. Eventually, it was going to end. When you play good teams, you need breaks. You need to have your head screwed on right. You can't make mistakes. In this series, the Penguins didn't have the luck. You had Matt Murray getting scored on in yesterday's game. Improbably. It was as soft as soft can be. You had Tom Kuhnhockel hitting a pipe. That's puck. That's life. You live until you die. When Kuhnhockel hit the post in overtime, as Barry Trotz said, it was over. And he was right. The Capitals got their break. They took advantage. Something that the Penguins have done so damn well over the last 695 days. If you're up for the wake, baby, give me a call. 412-922-2874. Tweet me at underscore Adam Crowley. Jason Mackey of the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette is going to join me at 520 today to reflect on this historic Penguins run. Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network joins me next to talk about how it all went down and where the Penguins go from here. It's Crowley Show. Hi, Tom Bodette. Haven't tried slam poetry yet. Motel 6, comfortable, clean, always low prices. Know what I mean? Are you traveling? Are you on the road? Make Motel 6 your humble abode. You will get a good night's sleep. I know this poem's not very deep. I'm Tom Bodette for Motel 6, and we'll leave the light on. So go and book online at motel6.com. Mic drop. Crowley, why are you wearing a Band-Aid? Yeah, what's up with that, dude? <sighs> the cyst is back. No. Yeah, it's it weird. It's ugly head. It's back. Oh, no. Mm-hmm. You look pretty badass, Take it off. Though. Take the Band-Aid off. Yeah, let me see that thing. Oh, put the Band-Aid oh, back on. No, oh, no. Oh, no. Put the Band-Aid back Brian just did this thing where he had eight seconds left before the segment starts. And he goes, I got something to tell you guys. And Tom goes, you better hurry because we're about to go back on the air. And Brian goes, that's big. I'll have to tell you after the segment. Uh, I imagine you're not going to tell us on the air. No, but coming up in 12 minutes off the air, I've got breaking news. Damn, I'm excited about that. Yeah. If anybody wants to guess what it is, you can try. I might break early. Sorry, Metzer. Brian Metzer, the Penguins Radio Network, joins us now here on the Crowley Show. Metz, how are you, pal? Going, come right back. I'm dying to know, too. <laughs> Sorry, Metz. Yeah, the uh, the clock doesn't work that way, unfortunately. It can be very unforgiving, <laughs> and I don't want to do a 40-minute segment after this. I understand. Believe me. I'm good, though, uh, all things considered. I, I told you what I had to do today, and uh, my cousin asked me if I'd give him a shout-out. Uncle Mike Pernesti, we love you, and uh, we just had to, to bury him today, so I wanted to mention that. Yeah, uh, Mets are very kind to come on the program. I forced him to, though. I, he had to go to his uncle's uh, funeral today, and because of that, uh, I said, Mets, there's no better way to cheer you up than talk about the Penguins' uh, failures at the end of that series, huh? 
Hey, you know, uh, I, we, we knew that there'd be a chance we'd be utilizing, eulogizing the Pittsburgh Penguins after last night, and that's how it played out. And kudos to the Washington Capitals, right? They did what they needed to do to get by the Penguins finally, and we'll, we'll just hang our hat on the other nine of 11 times they've beaten them. Yeah, no doubt about that. And I, I think it is important to keep all this in perspective. I wrote a piece for ESPNPGH.com about just that today, so everyone out there, check that out. The Penguins weren't going to beat 10 good teams in a row. It's just hard to do. And you need breaks to be able to do it. You need to have your head screwed on right. And the Penguins didn't get the breaks in this series. And apart from that, Washington took advantage of every opportunity. This is the first time in a long time that when the Penguins have been eliminated, Mets, I haven't been mad about it. I feel like it's okay this time. Get them next year. Yeah, I think you're right about that. I mean, just generally speaking, we, we've been blessed with two Stanley Cups in this city, back-to-back, five overall. Nobody else can say they've done that in the salary cap era, and people seem to have lost sight of that. I mean, there's folks talking about taking this season to their graves, which is just, I don't know where that headline even came from. It's something that I wouldn't have said about this team. We all looked at them after 16 and thought they lost a little bit heading into 17. We thought they lost a little bit coming out of that team. Well, finally... That brings you back to the pack a little bit. Stir in the fact that everybody starts to mirror your style, and everybody has a speed-based team now, and everybody has smallish, skilled forwards, and they're trying to build from within with youth. Look at this Capitals roster. They're playing with some young guys, and the Penguins almost forced them to do that by having Tom Wilson get a suspension and then a couple injuries popping up. So they, they had to go to a couple young guys who showed a lot of energy, if you ask me, in the last couple of games and did a really nice job for that team. So I'm with you. I'm not too disappointed when you look at this. I mean, you can't win every single year. It's the hardest trophy in sports to win. You've got to win 16 games to do it, which is a mini season in and of itself. So for my money, while it's disappointing to fall to the you know the hated Washington Capitals, it's time. I mean, this team needs a little bit of a, re- a reboot, a recharge, a rest period, get themselves back to where they were. And I think this longer offseason is going to go a long way towards doing that. Oh, I think so too, Brian. And I had dismissed their regular season, and I said, they're going to flip the switch. They'll be okay. And to an extent, they did. They played well enough to beat Philadelphia, although Philadelphia wasn't a great team. Uh, They played well enough to push Washington to the brink. But I think some of the bad habits that they uh, wound up accruing over the regular season did rear their ugly heads, not just in this series, but in the Philadelphia series as well. And I think being refreshed and being able to fine-tune some of their bad habits or their good habits, I suppose, in the regular season next year is going to help them tremendously. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. I mean, when you look at the team, they did sort of uh, flip a switch, as you said, heading into the playoffs. They started limiting opportunities in terms of shot quantity. They led the league. I mean, right now they still lead the league in shots against per game. The problem is, that neutral zone transition that we've talked so much about, you and I have talked about it going back to probably not necessarily midseason, but it really came to the forefront for me with that Rangers comeback against the Penguins late in the regular season where uh, Chris Kreider and Mika Zibanejad really gave them headaches with speed and chip plays and transition plays in the neutral zone that created odd man rushes, breakaways, two-on-ones, all this kind of thing. What did the Caps do? They took full advantage of the Penguins in the neutral zone in terms of catching defensemen when yeah. they pinched at the wrong time. Also, just getting a stick check on a puck and kicking it into open space, catching the Penguins flat-footed before they could even react. Their forecheck was so tenacious in the zone, they couldn't get back fast enough before the, the shot was already on goal. So while they weren't allowing a ton of opportunities, 
they allowed a lot of high quality opportunities and that wasn't that did Matt Murray no favors at all. So that bad habit I think that started way back in the season fit them in the playoffs and it's unfortunate because had they tightened that up, they might still be playing hockey right now. But you know what? When you talk about breaks and everything else, Adam, it comes down to being a hard working team, a team that's really rolling on all cylinders. And I think the Caps were doing that and you start to get the puck luck and the bounces when you're playing like that. Yeah, you do. And Brian Metzer, the Penguins Radio Network, joins us here on the Crowley Show. Let's stick with that just for a second here, Brian. I don't think that the Penguins were tired last night. I've heard some people say that maybe they threw everything that they had out there in game number five, and maybe there is some truth to that. But I thought more than anything, Washington had a really good game plan, and I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to acknowledge that maybe Washington really just wanted it more. Uh, The Penguins beat them the last two years. They felt like they were the best team in hockey the last couple of years. Eventually, they were going to have to exercise that those demons, and they had their opportunity to close it out, and they really took full advantage. Yeah, you got to give them credit. I mean, there's two teams on the ice, and I think people lose track of that sometimes. There, there, there are certain folks that look at any sport, be it football, baseball, hockey, and they, and they just assume that one team always holds all the cards. Well, you got to go out there and beat the other guys. And the Capitals have done a whole lot of soul-searching over the last couple of years. Braden Holtby's done a whole lot of soul-searching, as has Alex Ovechkin. Uh, their coach, Barry Trotz, has done it. These guys knew that I think they had a bad feeling their team would fully be changed if they didn't get it done this year. They came in locked in. Even with the depleted roster, so some people said, they managed to win the Metropolitan Division. They came into the playoffs as you know a top seed in the Eastern Conference in terms of being a number two they had home ice advantage. They were in a, They wanted to get past this round. They talked about the Penguins as being their dragon. And the fact that the bullseye was placed squarely on the Penguins' backs tells you exactly what, what they had in their, in their minds of what they wanted to accomplish. When they were able to overcome adversity against the Columbus Blue Jackets, that's when I started to say, okay, this team is going to be problematic because they, they found a way to punch back there. They made the goaltending switch back to Holtby. And then every time the Penguins looked like they were going to have that moment where the Caps were going to go all capitals on us, it never happened. They came right back and scored a big goal. They got a big save. They got that big moment that typically went the Penguins' way. And that's only happened one other time, 1994, that I can remember a series going that way. They took full advantage. And like you said, they definitely wanted this one more. I mean, I think some of the Penguins would admit to that. I don't believe there was a fatigue factor because nobody on that roster, Adam, and you might agree or disagree here, but I think you will agree, then Sidney Crosby played more hockey over the last three years because he also played in the Worlds, went all the way to the championship round of the Worlds and won it. So he played at a high level then, had three seasons worth of Stanley Cup playoffs, and he was one of the Penguins' best players. So if he's not tired, I don't think anybody else had an excuse to be. If anything, there's a couple injuries we're going to find out about as this week moves forward, and I'm really curious to see what those are. Well, I think that's a really good point, too, Brian. There's been a lot of talk, and uh, our friend Rob Rossi spearheading it. I love Rob. I disagree with some of the things he's been putting out there on Twitter. I don't think that this roster is as flawed as it was in 2014 and 2015, and that's the way he's kind of making it out to be. If Phil Kessel is healthy, it's different. Uh, If... Broussard, I think, doesn't get hurt in the regular season. He has more time to acclimate to the Penguins' style of play. And uh, agree or disagree with this, uh, Metzer, I think that Broussard played really well the last two games of this series. It looked to me like he finally was gelling. I don't think there's that many issues with this roster. 
No, I, I don't think so either. I, I think when you look at it, you've got to do something to just bolster your blue line a little yes. bit. And, and that just means having another depth defenseman available. Yeah, they maybe could have done that now, but I'm not going to beat Jim Rutherford up about that. I mean, look at what he's been able to accomplish. So that's not a problem for me. And whenever the roster was so flawed just a couple of years ago in many people's minds, they revamped and retold it simply by making one or two deals, adding one or two new faces. They can do the exact same thing this summer. They have a healthy core coming back next year. You're going to have a healthy Phil Kessel. Sidney Crosby looks like he's getting better by the season. Evgeny Malkin will be back. Chris Letang, if, depending on how he's utilized next year, I think he's going to be fine. You just got to, you know, you, you start to evolve people's roles a little bit as they get older. I think that might happen with him. Maybe he's not the guy that plays 25 minutes a night. Maybe he plays 19 minutes a night. He's still very effective. There's a lot to like about this roster moving forward. And I recall Rob actually, uh, you know, I'm, I'm with you. I don't always agree with Rob. And a lot of times I do. He's a friend of both of ours. Rob said going into the playoffs. If the Penguins win this year, and I forget where he said it, but he said if they win this year, I think they're done with the Sidney Crosby era in terms of cups. If they go out early this year, they revamp, retoll, and he felt they were going to win two more. Suddenly, for some reason in these playoffs, he's seen some things that he didn't like. And, yeah, you can really bash the Broussard deal now if you want to. It was maybe the big fish again. They love to go and get the big fish, and maybe a couple of smaller deals could have behooved this team a little bit better. But generally speaking, even if they bring Broussard back or they decide to move on from him, I, I still have a lot to like on that roster. I think they're going to be a very formidable foe in the Eastern Conference again next season. Oh, I agree. And I think as far as the Broussard trade is concerned, you can't accurately evaluate what it means, whether or not, or until, pardon me, after you've seen what happens next year. I mean, you get him for two years, you get him for two cup runs. Uh, I think after next year, you can determine whether or not that trade was a success. Brian Metzger of the Penguins Radio Network joining me here on the Crowley Show. This might make some Penguins fans irritated, but after Kuznetsov slid the puck in between the pads of Matt Murray, I kind of smiled a little bit. And then when they showed Ovechkin looking up at the sky, just like, thank God, I kind of smiled a little bit too. And I don't like Washington. I don't like the way that they play at times, uh, T.J. Oshie trying to bash skulls, Tom Wilson bashing skulls, Ovechkin at times has done things like that. But I do think that their fans finally get a moment of joy, and Ovechkin is a great player, and I think that it looks a hell of a lot better in the history books one day if that guy's raised the Stanley Cup, uh, along with Sidney Crosby having won it a handful of times. I mean, that, that's obviously the, the mile marker for all these superstars of this era or any era, you know, you want to get the championship. And I'm not saying, uh, you know, he needs to go on and win the Stanley Cup this year, but I could certainly see uh, where it's a huge moment for them to beat the Pittsburgh Penguins. That was their Everest, so to speak. Holtby was in that boat. Ovi's in the boat. The coach was in that boat. And to see those guys finally get it, to get it for that fan base, that you could see the way they would clench up and be so worried the moment the Penguins would do anything in this series, even when they had advantages. And that just tells you how tortured they've been. And, I, I, you know, we've seen that with the Penguins. The Penguins haven't always been a perennial playoff team. Yeah, in, in recent years they have, specifically since Sidney Crosby got here. But just think of how it felt to go out early every single year in between 09 and getting back to the playoffs or to the Stanley Cup in 2016. So in terms of being a hockey market, I get it. I, I just, you know... That, that, to me, is their uh, their big moment. I don't know that they're going to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning, no. and I'm not going to root for them to win a Stanley Cup anytime soon, but I can give them this one and, and appreciate that moment in their history because they could not get over that hump. And really, 
it's the first time they've been able to beat the Penguins without Keith Jones on their roster. So they have that going for them because <laughs> Jonesy was having some fun with that on the broadcast going into game one. Brian, explain how this last two-year period has gone for you in terms of appreciating Penguins hockey because I went into it in the first segment Watching the Penguins in the X generation, you never knew if it was going to get better. You didn't know if they were going to get sold or if they were going to get moved by the BlackBerry guy. You didn't know the casino deal, all that stuff going down. Uh, and just for Sidney Crosby's Penguins to have won three Stanley Cups, man, it makes it so worth it to have been a Penguins fan through the dark times. No doubt about it. And I think what's, what's tough for me, and I think I saw you talking about this on Twitter, and I know I heard you mention something on the show earlier today, the fact that people are acting like they're, they've still underachieved. Oh this past God. two years has changed that entire narrative because now, even going back and looking at the full body of work, you mix in all those conference finals, you mix in all the playoff wins, you mix in all those things. There's so much to like in the Sidney Crosby era, and you can say it's the Evgeny Malkin era as well. Those two players came in and have spearheaded what we've witnessed the past two years. Now, I've been a Pittsburgh Penguin follower since uh, Mario Lemieux got here. When I was a wee lad, he's the best salesman anybody could have had for the sport of hockey, watching what he did on the ice. So I watched a lot of lean times then, was able to see the Cups in 91-92, watched the disappointment of 93, which is far greater than the disappointment right now because that team was expected to win a third cup because they were the best team in hockey. But then it started to go downhill, 96 conference final, lose to the Florida Panthers, which was inexplicable. There's disappointment. Why don't you experience that for a moment? Uh, there were the rats flying, Scott Mellendy, all this crap. <laughs> so I, I, I've seen all of that. I've lived through it. And then to get to the point where you see them get back in 08 and 09, after we watched all those tough times, the, the X generation, the evolution, all these tag uh, terms that they put out there to try and sell Penguins hockey, we lived through that in the early 2000s. Mario came back. All that was going on. To see it all culminate in these two cups, PPG Paints Arena, all these things going on around this organization, they've become one of the best franchises in pro sports, not only the National Hockey League. And I'm not only saying that because I work for the radio network here. It, it, it is a situation where they put themselves on the map, and that is a testament to Mario, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and on down through the ranks of that team. And nobody can call them a disappointment after what they've accomplished in the last two years. And you just cannot win the Cup every year. It doesn't work that way. No, uh, they've won three times, and you're really not supposed to do that. Uh, now anything else. I mean, hell, I thought anything after two was gravy because Mario only won two. Well, only. Mario won two. Uh, <laughs> and now, I mean, they still have a window open, I think, for these next couple of years where they've got a legitimate opportunity uh, to do it again. And if they never do it again in the Crosby-Malkin era, well, it was still a success. Uh, Brian, really appreciate you coming on uh, every week, man, throughout the playoffs and even before that, really throughout the entire hockey season. Uh, it's always my pleasure to have you on, and uh, you're a good buddy now, and I appreciate you always doing that. It's it's never a problem. It's my pleasure to join you. I always love our witty banter and our hockey talk here. I'm always available to you, my friend, so anytime you need it, you know where to find me, and uh, it's been a pleasure working with you here and getting to know you over these past few years, and, and let's keep it going. Mets, the Crowley Show family is thinking about you, man. Keep it up. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate it. Enjoy the the rest of the afternoon. Go Pens. There he goes, Brian Metzer of the Penguins Radio Network. Coming up next, Brian tells us a secret. And I'm going to eviscerate Ron Cook. It's the Crowley Show.
What's more fun than shopping on eBay? Shopping on eBay guilt-free, of course. Check out eBay now for what's new and under $10. Thousands of items under $10 that you just can't miss. All in one place, all with free shipping. Tees, flats, socks, and shades. Got them. Speakers, smartwatches, phone cases, and video games. Those too. Find the latest in fashion, tech, home, and more before they're gone. All under $10 with free shipping at ebay.com slash under 10. So you guys want to hear? It? Yeah, dude. Yeah, definitely. <sighs> All right. So I got to go back a little bit to explain what's going oh, on. Oh, for the here. love of God. I, so I get, just, I mean, just get to it. I got to go back a little bit to set it all up here. You're milking But this. whatever it is, it's huge. I mean, don't worry. The payoff is great. Like, seriously. So you go back to about a year ago. Penguins lost last night, and that sucks because we no longer have the ability to hashtag three leave. Uh, it bums me out. I would have liked to see the Penguins beat Washington and take their chances with Tampa. And hey, it's hockey. Weird stuff happens all the damn time. But it didn't happen for the Penguins last night, and there's luck to blame. There's mental momentary lapses to blame. The Capitals made more plays than the Penguins did in crucial moments. The Penguins gave up goals in the last five minutes a couple of times these playoffs. They just didn't look like themselves. And that'll get addressed. The roster will get turned over to some extent. And guess what? They'll be a Stanley Cup contender again next year. This time with a little bit of rest. Penguins now have a month and a half that they didn't have the last two years to breathe. Spend time with your families. Train, but you won't be playing playoff games. It's not the worst thing. The worst thing is reading a Ron Cook column. Whatever that might be, whatever the column is about, it's the worst. There's a couple of bad takes I want to take apart in this segment. One from a guy I respect, the other from Ron Cook. Here's the headline in the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette today. Quote, Penguins will take this failure their graves. The headline had a typo. The last sentence in the column said that the United States beat Finland 4-2 after scoring three goals. So all that aside, holy crap, how can you be so damn out of touch? Is that what poses as being a columnist in this city is? The problem with sports talk radio and the problem with columnists is that they're far too often prisoners in the moment. They've got tunnel vision and they only look at the here and the now. Also, Cook loves to have the quote-unquote hottest of the takes, but only to a point. Here's Ron Cook's strategy, and I've noticed this over the years as I've read him since I was a wee lad. He'll be very critical, very critical, only if he thinks the public's going to be behind him. Or he'll be critical whenever he's on the side of Ben Roethlisberger or some star athlete that he can sniff in this town. In this instance... He threw out the hot take that the Penguins would take this failure, the failure of beating the Capitals in six games, to the grave because he thought that all y'all out there, yins, I suppose, if you will, would be on his side. He looked at Twitter last night. He saw that people were pissed, and he thought, okay, let me charge them all up. 
Let me get fired up. Let me fire them up. Love me, Pittsburgh. That's the only way he'll ever throw the hot takes out there. Other than that, he's always him and Han and Andrew Filipponi's giving the hot takes, and Cook never wants to play the hypothetical game. But he read the room wrong. Whoops. The Penguins have a better roster than Washington. I'll say that. The Capitals were wounded at the end of the series, and the Penguins couldn't take advantage. That happened, and I understand that. Because the Penguins have played 307 hockey games over the last three years. That's more obviously than any other team in that stretch. Penguins are back-to-back cup champs. The Penguins would have had to play maybe the best team in hockey in the Eastern Conference Final. It is a missed opportunity, I suppose, that they didn't beat Washington. But that's in the eye of the beholder, right? You would have beaten your rival, but you also would have lost to Tampa. The Penguins weren't going to win the Cup this year. It became evident the more hockey they played. You can see what you want to see. They could have won this series, but they didn't. And they weren't going to win the Cup this year. The Penguins blew two third-period leads. They gave up odd man rushes left and right. They weren't good enough. So while Ron Cook thinks that they'll take this one to their grave, I think they'll accept the fact that this year just wasn't their year. Not every year can be. Lemieux's 1993 Penguins were the best team in hockey. Brian Metcher talked about it in the last segment. They played with their hair on fire down the stretch. They set the record for most games in a row unbeaten. Many in this town believe that was the best team in Penguins history. They lost to the Islanders. That one stung. That one was improbable, as it was disappointing. That one will be taken by Mario and that team to the grave. That one hurt. But this Penguins team was far from the best team in hockey. Their elimination crystallizes that for me. They've got nothing, nothing to regret. Period. Ron Cook just wants to stir the fecal matter. He's throwing it against the wall to see what stinks. Had the Penguins won, they'd have lost to Tampa. And then what? Would they have regretted that forever too? When Sid's at the end of his career and thinking about his playoff failures, and I'm not even going to go end of his life, end of career, thinking about his playoff failures, Here's betting that this one does not show up on the radar. Here's betting that 2010, where they played Yaroslav Halak, does. Here's betting that 2012, when they pooped down their own legs, does. Here's betting that 2013, when they couldn't score more than two goals against Boston, does. And 2014, when they blew a three-games-to-one series lead, does. All those games are going to stick in his craw. All those series are going to haunt Sidney Crosby at the end of his career. But above all, though, he's the winningest player in franchise history, the leading playoff point producer, and maybe the best captain this town has ever seen. So when it's all said and done, instead of thinking about the losses, he'll be taking all that to his grave. Not a loss to a better, more desperate hockey team, and that's what Washington was. 412-922-2874. Devin, next up on the Crowley Show. What's up, man? How you doing, man? I'm all right. How are you? I'm all right. Ron Cook's a moron. Yes. I remember when uh, the Steelers hired Mike Tomlin. He was like, they only did it because he's black, and it's called the Rooney Rule. And I'm like, you really think they're going to just hire anybody because of that, you moron? And then this take right here is just stupid. How could a team, would they take it to their graves when they won two Stanley Cups? 16 was probably the best hockey team I've ever seen. I'm talking about with my own eyes that I really paid attention to because they were just annihilating people. Last year, they were a shell of that, and they were still better than everybody else. This year, this year they just weren't as good as they had been, my man. And that's okay. And that's it. 
Why does it have to be a hot take? Why you have to try to stir the masses up? Why can't you just do what I did today and realize the last two years have been great and this year just wasn't good enough? It's okay not to win every year. Exactly, man. We just weren't good enough. We just weren't as good as we had been the last two years. That's it. That's the case. Appreciate the yep. call, Devin. Four one two nine two 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 eight seven four. If you'd like to hop along, there's another take I disagree with. Not from Ron Cook, but this one from Dan Kingersky. He tweeted, this will be Chris Letang's enduring legacy in Pittsburgh when they were giving up two-on-one odd-man breaks. And I rip Cook hard because he annoys me. His take was also ludicrous. I like Kingersky. He started a hockey site out of scratch. I think it speaks to how much people in Pittsburgh love hockey, and I think it speaks to how good he is at it. It's a great source of information, and he's got a lot of great people, including Bob Grove and Matt Geica working there. Uh, Shelly Anderson's also fantastic. So I don't have a problem with him. I agree with a lot of what he says, in fact. And he wrote a piece that I'll bounce off of coming up in about eight minutes. But I don't agree with his opinion in this instance. Like with Ron, you can't have tunnel vision. Chris Letang did a lot of bad things in this series, but there's so much more that he's going to be remembered for in this town. Letang's been a Norris Trophy finalist. He scored the Stanley Cup game-winning goal in 2016. He was everywhere during that run in that series. He scored the OT winner against the Caps in Game 3 in 2009. They don't win that series if he doesn't do that. You want to talk about legacy? That's legacy. Also, I think you have to take into account what he's gone through. That has to matter in terms of legacy. He's battled through concussion problems, back problems, neck problems. He had a stroke, and through it all, he's been a pretty damn good hockey player. So Chris Letang wasn't the Chris Letang of old this year. But Chris Letang also had plates fused to his neck. He wasn't ever going to be that guy. That's just the reality. That's the lasting legacy, I think. Everything he overcame and the heroics that he did earlier on in his career. Hell, Jerome Bettis fumbled against the Colts, but that's not what I'll remember about him. Troy Polamalu got burned in Super Bowl 45. I'll remember him leaping over the line and making plays in route to Super Bowl 40 and 43. McCutcheon didn't have any postseason success. But I don't think about that when I think about him. All those players were great. They've all had their moments. Hell, with James Harrison, I'll think more about his touchdown in Super Bowl 43. Legacy is more than a moment. Legacy is a lot of little moments and a crescendo of the big moments. Maybe Latang won't finish his career as a Penguin. Maybe they buy him out. Maybe they trade him. I think he's a Penguin next year. But if he's not, I'll remember the good times and the bad. But mostly, I'll remember him lifting the Stanley Cup. A few reckless plays against a team after nine straight playoff series wins isn't going to change the way I think about a guy. I imagine it won't for most Pens fans either. Here's the deal with Latang: You're not going to get back a player as good in a trade. The cap space would free up the chance to get someone good, but if he can regain his prior form or come close to it with a full offseason to prepare, then that's the best player the Penguins could acquire going into the 2019 season. And it's not as if Chris Letang looked like he was screwed up physically. Mentally, he just didn't seem to be there. And maybe an offseason of reflection and film study and breathing can help him get back to that point, and he can build his way there over the course of next offseason. Coming up next, 
Last night shows why the regular season does matter. I admit when I'm wrong. I said the Penguins could flip a switch. They did to an extent, but just to an extent. Tell you what I mean when we come back. It's the Crowley Show. We alarm our houses, and we alarm our cars. But when it comes to your personal information, it can be tough to know when something isn't right. That's where Discover Card can help. Now, we'll send you an alert if we find your social security number on any one of thousands of risky websites. And this service is free for card members. Just sign up online. It's our way of looking out for you, not just your account. Learn more at discover.com slash free alerts. Limitations apply. So, I mean, what do you guys think? It's a lot to take in. I'll tell you that much. Crowley? I'm so happy right now. Oh. Are you crying? That's Dang. a bad, that was great news. That wasn't that great. Kind of sad. False. News, I'm not happy about it at all. <laughs>